All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Man, I'm so glad you're here as we're kicking off our brand new series called Game Changers. In honor of that, I did more than just wear my jersey. I brought my autographed jerseys. I brought autographed uh, baseball hats. I brought my trophy that lists every time the Niners beat Dallas. I even brought my 49ers motorcycle. Now, I want to tell you, it's not just about being a Niners fan. I got to tell you, as your pastor, I want you to understand the 49ers, they're God's team. Like, you may not think that, but man, I got, I got it on good word from Super, Super Bowl champion Bubba Paris. I have this autographed baseball cap, and this is what Bubba Paris said about the 49ers being God's team. He said, you could see it in the logo. He said, the white represents the holiness of God. The red represents the shed blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. The gold in the logo represents the streets of gold found in heaven. And the SF, that's not San Francisco. That's saved forever. (laughs) Drop the mic, people. Come on. Now, now, hey, all, all kidding aside... I want to tell you, regardless of who you are, where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, uh, and because of our new series, I want to say, regardless of what team you root for, you are welcome and wanted by God and by us. And I want to also say very clearly, we're not here this morning, we're not here to worship sports. We're here to worship our Savior. We're not here to promote football. We're here to to build our faith. But the reality is so many of us, we love sports, myself included. So we're using this theme of sports as a lead-in to talk about what it means to be a game changer. In fact, we have an outline for our message this morning. It's a gold-colored sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take that out and use it to follow along. And I want to ask... When you think of the phrase game changer, what do you think of? Or maybe I should ask, who do you think of? Because we, we know who the game changers are. They're like the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees, the Steph Currys, the Kawhi Leonard's. See, one of the things that game changers do is they help your team win. They just find a way to win, and at the same time, they just raise the level of play for everyone on their team. And for our purposes this morning, I want to give you a great definition of a game changer. Would you write this down? There on your outline. A game changer is a person whose choices and actions change the outcome. Man, it leads to victory. It leads to winning. Their choices and their outcomes, their their choices and actions change the outcome. And friends, I'm telling you that because this is what I know. The God of the universe the God who made you and knows you and who loves you. Man, he wants you to be a game changer. He wants you to up the level of your game today. Man, here's here's this. In fact, this is what I know. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way on your outline. For we are God's masterpiece, his game changers, if you will. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. See, this very morning, I believe that God wants to speak to all of us and call us to to up our game, to be game changers in the different arenas of our life. 
in our workplaces, our families, our schools, and right here in our church. See, God is calling you to be a game changer with no excuses. And that's why I want to share with you on your outline. Do you know the first characteristic of a game changer is a game changers, they don't make excuses for failure. They find reasons for success. Let me say that again. Game changers don't make excuses for failure. They find reasons for success. Now, as we talk about this idea of being a game changer and not making excuses, I want to ask you a question. How many of you here have ever done something like really dumb, and as soon as you did it, you knew it was a bad decision? Yeah, a lot of us. I was thinking about this. Do you know when I was 10 years old, some older guys in my neighborhood, one of the kids, he got a dartboard as a birthday present. And man, I, I don't know why, but I was so excited. I'm 10 years old, and I talked them into letting me play darts with them. And man, I'm so excited, and they're playing darts, and they hand me two darts. And I'm waiting for my turn. I can barely wait to throw my first dart. And they throw their darts, and they go to the dartboard. They're adding up their scores. And I'm standing there with my darts, and I'm saying, okay, guys, hurry up, move. I want to throw my darts. And they're not even listening to me. And I say, guys, come on. If you don't move, I'm going to throw my dart. They're still adding up their scores. Finally, I said, okay, I'm going to count to three. And if you don't move, I'm throwing it. One, they're not moving. Two, I mean it, guys. I'm going to do it. Three, and I threw my dart. And it stuck the guy right in the head. I mean, I saw it go into his head. Man, he falls on the ground, and I see blood. Man, I freak out. I think I killed the guy. Man, I don't know what to do. I run home. I'm so afraid. Like, I hide under my bed. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to go to jail for murder. And I stay there for about three hours. In fact, the only reason I came out is I had to pee. <laughs> you know, I come out from under the bed, and my mom goes, oh, my gosh, we're all looking for you. Son, why did you do that? And here's what I did. It's not my fault. I told him if he didn't, you know, excuse, right? This idea of excuses. And can I tell you, here's the deal. Some of you right now, you're stuck. There's an area of your life, your career, your marriage, your faith journey, your health situation. Could it be that one of the reasons that you're stuck is you're caught up in your excuses? It's kind of human nature, isn't it? For many of us, our first response when we make a mistake, do something stupid, find ourselves in a bad place, for many of us, our first response is to make an excuse. And you know, it's human nature. It's, it's as old of the hills. I mean, you go back all the way through history. You go back to the very beginning of creation. The first man, Adam, look what he did. When God told him not to eat from the, from the uh, fruit of the forbidden tree, in Genesis 3, 11 and 12 on your outline, God says have you, to Adam, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man, Adam, replied with an excuse, right? What did he say? It was a woman who you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. So, do you see what Adam's doing? Hey, Adam, did you, did you do this thing, this wrong, this bad thing? Instead of saying, man, God, I blew it, I messed up, oh my God. What did he do? Excuse. Man, he blames the woman, he blames God. Man, what a loser. And yet, guys, I, I do the same thing. And sometimes, so do you. And can I tell you, because 
God wants you to win in life because he's calling you to be a game changer. We got to learn a different way. So I'm so excited because this morning we're going to learn from one of the greatest game changers in all the Bible, the Apostle Paul, from one of the greatest game changing books in the Bible, the book of Philippians. Now, can I tell you that the Apostle Paul, this guy, man, he changed the world. Man, he went from, from hating Christians and persecuting the church to becoming a missionary and planning churches. And God used him to write over half the New Testament, and he writes this great book called Philippians. It's kind of this small church that's in the midst of struggle, in the midst of persecution. And Paul writes to them to challenge them to up their faith game, and he tells them how to find joy in the midst of all their struggles. Now, just on a side note, like if you're kind of struggling and you want to up the joy levels in your life, let me encourage you to read the book of Philippians this week. Six short chapters, you can read one a day, and I think by the end of the week, you're going to find yourself encouraged and built up. Now, in this great book of Philippians, Paul starts out, and he, he's, he's, here's the amazing thing. He's actually writing this book while sitting in a Roman prison cell. And here's what he does. In the first chapter, he tells this church, hey, I'm praying for you. And as I pray, I want you to experience God's grace, God's peace, and I want you to have God's confidence that God started something really good in, in, in you, and he's not done with you yet. And then he goes on with the rest of the chapter, and he gives the Philippian church, he gives them three key actions of a game changer. And he starts spelling it out in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Here's what Paul writes. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Now, would you underline the phrase, everything that has happened to me? Do you know what happened to Paul? Man, he had this long list of all these things that happened to bring him to this place of writing from a prison cell. Friends, listen to this. He was falsely accused. He was attacked. He was beaten. He was under threat of death. He was sent to stand a trial before Caesar. He was shipwrecked. And now he's sitting in a prison cell. And this is what he says. Look at the verse again. He says, everything that has happened to me has what? Helped. Helped? Helped? Now, the truth is, I mean, think about it. Like the Apostle Paul, you have your list of things that have happened to you in your life. And can I tell you, as a pastor, every week I hear stories of things that people can add to their list. Going through cancer, a divorce, a loss of job, rebellious teenagers, financial strain. You have your list of things that have happened to you. I have my list. And here's the deal. So many people, they begin to use their list as an excuse list for being stuck. But not for Paul. Not for the, for the Apostle Paul, it's different. I want you to see it there on your outline. Write this down. The first action of a game changer is they leverage their losses to bring life. They leverage their losses to bring life. I can't help but think of my good friend Nick Javier. Now, Nick and his wife, Joan, 
They were a key part of Crossroads at the very beginning 24 years ago. Joan sang on our worship team. Nick helped run our, our soundboard. Well, earlier this summer, Nick discovered that he had cancer in his right leg. Man, he asked all his friends, please pray for me for the results. And it very quickly went from, please pray for me about my cancer results to please pray for me. This cancer is so aggressive, they have to amputate my right leg. And um, man, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm worried. He's going to the hospital, it happened fast. And I actually, friends, I got to talk to Nick just, I mean, like minutes before he went into surgery and here's Nick's heart in the midst of this. His heart is, hey, God's not doing this to me. God's saving my life. He said, I'm so, I'm so grateful they caught the cancer. God's got this. God's got me. We're, we, we trust him. In fact, Nick was so grateful to God, and he leveraged this loss. And he's telling everybody about how God's helping him, that they even wrote a newspaper article about how God was working in Nick's life. Well, you know, just a couple weeks after they had it, he had his amputation, I was down in San Diego at our daughter church, The Bridge. Pastor Dwayne and I were speaking together, and who's at the service but Nick's young, younger son, Hagen, who attends there. And I said, so, Hagen, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. How's he doing? He said, oh, Pastor Paul, my dad's awesome. I mean, he's on fire for Christ. And he said, let me tell you, God has used this thing to help my brother Nathan come back to God. God has used this to help my brother Nathan come back to God. See, Nick is leveraging his loss, saying, God didn't do this to me. God saved me, and now God's using me to bless others. Friends, I want you to put yourself in Nick's shoes. Imagine losing your leg. Talk about a reason for excuse to get down and stay down, to get mad at God and at life and stay stuck in that loss. But here, Nick, he's leveraging that loss for life. He's doing exactly what the Apostle Paul said when he said, everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. What Paul is saying here is he's helping us understand in the midst of trials and things even outside your control, things you didn't even ask for, you have the opportunity. You have to decide the narrative, to dictate the narrative of your story. In fact, let me give you an example. Let's have a, a game-changing moment uh, in our service right now. This might evoke a little emotion, but let me bring you back to sports. So let's talk about the quarterback, Tom Brady. Okay, so yeah, so here's a question. How many of you here today, you like Tom Brady? So there's a few of us. How many of you dislike Tom Brady? Yeah. How many of you could care less, right? Well, well, whether you like him or not, don't even care about him. Can I tell you this one thing about the quarterback, Tom Brady? Man, this guy is a game changer. I mean, if you're playing the Patriots and there's two minutes left in the game, you're, you're, you're praying that Tom Brady doesn't get the ball in his hands again because he's going to find a way to win the game. The guy has six, listen to me, six Super Bowl rings and he's my quarterback in fantasy football. So, so let me tell you about Tom Brady. In fact, one of the most amazing things that I want you to capture here. 
Super Bowl 51. One of the most memorable scenes in the Super Bowl is when the Falcons, they are winning the Super Bowl 28 to 3. And what do you see? You find Tom Brady, he's running up and down the sidelines, and he's yelling to his whole team. He says, guys, this is going to be the greatest comeback in the history of sports. And then they went on to win in overtime 34-28. Why am I sharing this with you? Because on your outline, look at this. I want you to capture this. You see, excuse makers say, what has happened to me has caused me to, and you fill in the blank, has caused me to stay stuck, to lose the game, to whatever. Man, what happened to me, it's caused me to. But game changers, they have a different mindset. They say, what has happened to me has helped me to. And then you get to fill in the blank and dictate the narrative of your story. It's helped me to win. It's helped me to grow. It's helped me to serve. It's helped me to trust. What Paul is saying, he's saying, I'm in prison And yet being in prison has helped me to advance the gospel and save more lives. And you know, he's not the only one in prison that has done that. You go back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and you read the story about Joseph. Talk about a guy who could have a long list of excuses. Joseph could have said, well, you know what? My brothers threw me in a pit. They sold me into slavery. Man, I went to a job and the boss's wife tried to seduce me. And then she falsely accused me of rape. And then my boss threw me in jail and left me to rot. He could have had every excuse to be bitter and angry and stuck. But instead, he hung on to his faith, trusted God. God raised him to the position of second in command of all, in e- all of Egypt. And then when his the brothers, the very ones who threw him in a pit and sold him to slavery, when they came before him, I want you to see what Joseph said to his brothers In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could what? Right. Leverage it to save the lives of many people. Both the apostle Paul and Joseph, they were game changers and they leveraged their losses to save lives. What about you? You're going to be a game changer? It's the first action. Let's talk about the second action of a game changer. It's very simple. They simply, they look for solutions. They look for solutions because here's here's the reality. You can't find excuses and solutions at the same time. You have to make a decision what you're going to look for, what you're going to focus your life on, especially when you're in a difficult situation. The Apostle Paul, he chose to look for solutions, and he said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. He said, for everyone here, like here in Rome, including the whole palace guard. Now, do you know the palace guard was made up of eight to 9,000 soldiers? He said, the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ, because of Christ. See, here's what I want you to capture for this. In Paul's list, man, I was falsely accused. I was beaten, shipwrecked, thrown in prison. And these circumstances, they were outside his control. He didn't want them. He didn't ask for them. But this is where he found himself. But friends, instead of throwing a pity party, he comes back to purpose. He says, I'm going to be a game changer. 
I'm going to make some choices. I'm going to take some actions to point people to Christ. His solution was to point people to Jesus, and it resulted in 9,000 soldiers hearing the gospel. Now, I don't know how that hits you, but can I tell you as, as your pastor, man, it inspires me. It challenges me to stop looking for excuses and find the solutions so that we can get the gospel to as many people as possible. In fact, let me give you a, a real-life example of looking for solutions from right here at Crossroads. Many of you know that um, as we were building this building, we discovered that our contractor, Triangle, we discovered they committed fraud, they mismanaged the project, and they were so incompetent that finally we had to fire them, leading us to be in this lawsuit for the last three years. And Triangle's strategy was to drag this lawsuit out so that we would run out of money from having to pay extra contractor bills, legal fees, attorney bills. But friends, can I tell you, I'm so proud of our church. Man, they never thought we'd even get in the building. We were able to get in the building, and we didn't give up. Here's what we said as a church. We're just going to do our best and trust God for the rest. We're just going to do our best and trust God for the rest. And so we served and sacrificed and gave, and it took all we had just to get in the building, but the reality is, man, we, we just had enough to open the doors and turn the lights on. We couldn't decorate the inside like we wanted. We couldn't have the lighting and sound system we wanted. We couldn't, all the things that we wanted to do, it just took everything we had to get in. And then we were thinking about, like, the stage that I'm standing on. Because we knew that this stage, man, it's like a focal point where people, they come to worship God, where they come to hear life-changing messages. And we, we wanted the stage to be the best we could make it. Pastor Lance, he really cares about finding ways so people can see and hear and experience God's love. And he said, man, I just don't like the stage. We got to make it better. He said, what can we do? And Lance says, well, what's the budget? And I said, Lance, we have no money. Can I tell you, here's what Pastor Lance did. He said, man, we got to find a solution. Man, Lance, <laughs> it's just a little thing, but it's made it so much better. Lance took these rolls of paper, stapled them all together, crumbled them all up, and then he hung it from the ceiling to give us this beautiful backdrop, and here's what I want you to see. And do you see it? Game changers. Man, they turn obstacles into opportunities to share and shine God's light. And he's turned it into something beautiful and I don't know about you but man I love our backdrop and the way it helps us to experience God's love in this place see that and and that leads us to our last action as a game changer here's what they do they leverage their losses they look for solutions in the midst of their challenges and number three they live with bold faith they live with bold faith look at Paul, what Paul writes in Philippians 1 14 he said, and because of my imprisonment, like the list of these bad things that happened to me, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and what? Boldly speak God's message without fear. Just underline that word, boldly. 
It's like Paul's bold faith became contagious. It's like he upped the play of everyone on the team. Now, this idea of living with bold faith, my, my good friend, Pastor Andy Wood from Echo Church, he explains bold faith this way. He said, living with bold faith means we don't insult God with safe living and small dreams. It means we step out, we put it on the line, we don't make excuses. We find solutions to serve and shine and share with contagious faith that helps others know the love of Jesus. Now, can I tell you, when Paul wrote these words, he was probably on his way out. I mean, this was probably his last stop before he was executed for his faith. Yet he's not thinking about himself. Man, he's thinking about these 9,000 soldiers who will ultimately stand before Jesus and they will either be welcomed into heaven or they'll spend all eternity separated from the love of God. He's thinking about these soldiers. And so the Apostle Paul, he made the choice to take action because he wanted to win. He wanted to win people to a real relationship with God. And, and I'm sharing all of this with you because, guys, listen, I believe that for all of us, God brings us to these crossroads moments, especially when you're facing pain and problems where you have to decide, will I be an excuse maker or a game changer? Will I be an excuse maker or a game changer? Will my current situation, will it push me closer to God or further away from him? I mean, Nick Javier, man, he had to decide. Our church in the midst of a lawsuit, we had to decide. And as you sit here today, you have to decide. You see, the enemy and this world, he wants you to take your list and all the bad things that have happened to you, your pain, your problems, and the enemy wants to convince you that this is something that God did to you. But friends, if you're honest, do you know there's never been a single person on this planet who got to live a pain-free, suffering-free life, including Jesus himself. Jesus faced the greatest level of pain and suffering on the cross. He gave his life, and yet he leveraged that loss to give us life and save us. This is so key, friends. See, part of our human experience See, the thing the world wants to use to tear you down and tell you, see, there is no God. If God really loved you, he wouldn't have let this thing happen to you. The enemy wants to use that to tear you down and keep you stuck. But that's the very thing that God can use to bring good to you and through you. Let me give you a very personal example. One of the verses that really helped me to really capture this idea comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. It says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Let's stop there and let me ask you, do you love God today? Do you love God? God will cause, doesn't mean that God causes everything that happens in your life. 
there are some bad things that happen in you that God had no part of. Either you made a bad choice or another person sinned against you or the results of living in a fallen world. But God is so good that even in the midst of bad things, he can bring good out of it. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose for them. So let me ask you, are you following God's purpose for your life? It says, for God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. See, this is very personal to me because, man, I remember growing up in a broken home that was shattered by divorce when my dad abandoned us. And it led to me living out my young life, living in poverty. My mom went into a deep depression at 12 years old. I had to take care of my mom. I had to take care of my younger brothers. And out of the pain and hurt I experienced, man, I, be, I blamed God. And it became an excuse. It became an excuse that was keeping me stuck in life. Until someone did like I'm doing for you today. Until someone shared the game-changing love of Jesus with me. And when I opened up my heart to love God, the very thing that was a source of pain and hurt and brokenness, Man, God healed me, he helped me, and he turned it around for good. Friends, I can't tell you how many hundreds of teenagers I've been able to help because I know what it's like to grow up in a broken home shattered by divorce. See, this is what God does. The same God that helped me, that helped, that will help you. I want you to see how he helped the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 19 and 20 on your outline. Paul writes, in the face of impending death, he says, for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Now, here's what I want you to capture. Underline this phrase. The spirit of Jesus Christ helps me. I mean, I want you to ask, where did Paul get the type of faith? The type of faith that says, hey, whether I live or die, I mean, you can beat me, you can throw me into prison, you can even kill me, but I am not going to stop pointing people to the love of Jesus Christ. Well, it was the spirit of Jesus that was alive in him, that helped him. Man, it's the spirit of Jesus alive in me that helps me. And can I tell you, right where you're at in your life, man, if you will open up your heart to receive Jesus, he'll come in and his spirit, like the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he will give you the power you need to face any problems in your life. And here's the promise. There on your outline, Hebrews 13, 5, because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Okay. All right, guys. Good job. We did it. We've come to the end of the, the message. I want every one of you right now to take a deep breath. And now it's the time. I'm really happy because my job's done. But now this is where I get to pass the ball to you. 
This is where we are going to have a game-changing application. Here's the application. I want you to answer this question. Where is God asking me to up my game with no excuses? What are the arenas that you're stuck in or you're losing ground and God is saying, he's calling you. I want you to be a game changer with your family, with your teenagers, in your marriage, in your workplace. I want you to be a game changer in your church. No excuses. No excuses. Can I tell you, as your pastor, I've been leading this church. This month will be 24 years of leading this church. And, and yeah, thank you. I've had a lot of joy. I've seen a lot of miracles. But can I tell you, 24 years, I've heard just about every excuse in the book for not doing what God's calling you to do, being who God's calling you to be. I mean, I've heard them all. Hey, pastor, I can't fix my marriage. There's just too much hurt. I can't make it to church because I'm just too tired. I can't get in a life group because I'm just too busy. I can't give because I'm just too broke. I can't serve in the church because I'm just too messed up. I can't become a Christian because I'm just too afraid. Here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking, put your outlines down. I, don't want you to th- I want you to think about one thing. What would happen to the trajectory of your life if you just flipped the script? And instead of making excuses, like no more, I can't do this, I can't be that, I can't, instead of doing this, if you adapted the mindset that with God, all things are possible. Friends, with God, you can open your heart and become a Christian. No excuses. You can decide to take action and be baptized. You can volunteer in our kids' ministry and change future generations. You can serve and shine and fix and give and restore and you can change the outcome of the very direction not only of your life but of those around you friends today is your day to declare i will make the choice and take the action needed to be the game changer that god's calling me to be let's pray together now From your heart, would you just say, God, no more excuses. Want to be honest? I'm stuck. I'm struggling. But I'm trusting that with your help, that I will make the choices and take the actions to live with bold faith and trust you to make me a game changer for Christ's sake. Amen.